0: Turn to your neighbor and tell them something that you give God praise and thanks for tonight. What do you give God praise for? Something that happened this week? Something that happened decades ago? Something that you're anticipating? Just share something with the people around you. It makes people smile. And then turn to Psalm 135. 135. I hope you uh, got a newsletter tonight and you can see some things that are upcoming. You can also see the list of names to pray for. And if you're watching online, you can find this at our website, gracewayokc.org. And uh, you can keep up with things that way and uh, can help you if you uh, go through the week and you say, I don't know what to pray for, take your newsletter. You'll find some things on there as well as some ongoing prayer needs and some things to uh, thank God for. And so I encourage you to do that. Okay, Psalm 135. Someone asked me one time, what is the one thing that believers could do that would have the most impact on their trials, on their problems, on their warfare, on their marriages, on their relationships, on all of that and uh, you know what I think it is? I think it would be what we're called to do so often in the scripture and the whole book of Psalms talks about it if we really would praise the Lord. And praising the Lord is not just a time in the worship service before the preaching Praising the Lord is something that is supposed to be a lifestyle, it's supposed to be in our heart, it's supposed to be on our mind, and it's something that we should be doing continually. If you really are praising the Lord, uh, you'll find that it's impossible to do that and to think ugly, wicked, negative thoughts about other people. In other words, instead of analyzing and critiquing them, you're praising God for them. I praise God that he put such a unique, strange person in our church, right? They might be saying that about you. They might say that about me. But uh, it's more of a positive way than to say, who invited that weirdo, right? And uh, when the Bible says we are peculiar people, well, we are. We all have our own peculiarities. And by peculiar, the King James Version means... We're different. We are special to the Lord. And so uh, we're all that way. And look at the way He made us. Look at all of the diversity. Look at the differences just in our Wednesday night crowd tonight. And then when you add those who are um, in the student ministry, those who are in our Hispanic ministry, those who are out with the kids tonight, and uh, think about all of the differences that we have. Differences in background, for example... And those are the things that ought to enrich us because we've got somebody that can relate to anybody, right? When we think about uh, the different genders that we have, uh, we think about the characteristics of women and the characteristics of men. And we think about how differently that we are made, how differently we think. Well, that's not always a bad thing. That is, uh, many times when we work together, it's a good thing. It's like the gears coming together and fitting together right. Now, they can grind sometimes, and sometimes they do, but oh, how wonderful it is when they fit together. And that's true in our families as well, isn't it? When we think about all of the things that we have been through in our lives, some of you have always been uh, well off, and you have always known what you were going to do, you were able to set goals and to achieve those goals. There were others of you that you've tried every bit as hard, but you found something blocking your way and preventing you from doing all of those things. Well, what, uh, what is the purpose of all of that? Because we need that, because all of us are broken, all of us fail, all of us fall short of the glory of God. And so there's one person that can encourage us To keep on keeping on. I think of uh, Melita Stevens used to send me notes and she always said, keep on keeping on. And uh, that's a good word, isn't it? And then there are other times when you need somebody that can just sit beside you, they can weep with you, they can console you and say, I know what it's like. I've been tripped up myself. I've been frustrated myself. And so we minister to one another. And all of these things are reasons why we praise God even for our differences. Then when you think about how out of all of human history, how blessed we have been to live in this particular country at this particular time. I still, with all of the problems that we have in our nation, I'm still not packing up to move anywhere else. Are you? I like it here. And I feel hopeful here. And um, there are times when I look and say, can it get any worse? And of course we know it can. But here's the other thing too. God has given us a place where things can actually get better. I'm reading through in the mornings the book of, uh, I finished 1 Kings and I'm in the middle of 2 Kings right now. What options did those poor people have? Whoever was king, whatever that king did, whatever ways he would walk in, That's pretty much what uh, judged the country and what limited the nation on what they were going to do. They couldn't vote out another king. I guess they could assassinate him. And every once in a while that would happen. But it usually didn't go well when that took place. And then sometimes there were some good kings. Sometimes you know you have somebody who is... uh, They are coronated as king when they're seven years old. I don't know what a seven-year-old can do but uh, they had good advisors, I guess. But so many times it would say he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and then it would say this, man, I can identify with this, except that, and then it would name some things where he didn't quite please the Lord or do everything that the Lord would want him to do. I can identify with that. You can identify with that. And that's a good thing. But when I think about the country that we live in, Whoever is president, that's an important thing. That's a powerful job, but it's limited. And Congress can override the president and we can vote out the president and those kind of things can happen. We're not just stuck. What if if you had somebody as a king that you didn't like and you didn't agree with and you had to wait until they died hoping that their heir would be better? Boy, that would be a hopeless, hopeless situation. And yet God has blessed us to where as bad as we think it can get every four years, we have the opportunity through prayer and through uh, the influence that we have and through our ability to study and to gather information to cast our vote For someone to lead our nation. And we don't always get what we want. It doesn't always go our way. But we know that whatever happens is temporary. Plus we've got a constitutional amendment. That says uh, only two terms. Only two terms. So what do we have to gripe about? And why is it that we would fall into the negativity of things? And I will just lay this out before you. I think your family would change if you, and it would be nice if everybody would do it, but they're not here, so I'll talk to you, if you would start praising the Lord. Anybody can see your complaints, and your complaints uh, are probably legit. I don't know, sometimes they're not, but a lot of times they are. You're, you're people who love and you want to do what's right. But what if you praised more than you complained? What if you took the things that would hit you in a negative way and you found a way to turn those things around and turn them into something that is more positive and honoring to God? This is what the Scripture tells us to do. What if you could take that spouse that you have and instead of pointing out everything they don't do, everything they're deficient in, what if you found something in their life to praise God for, and to encourage them. Maybe maybe things would be a little bit better. What if that boss that you had that you just can't seem to get along with, what if you, in prayer, started think, thanking God for that person? Because the Bible does say, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And then said, Lord, I not only want to obey you on that, I want to praise you for this person who oversees me and show me how I can minister to them, how I can bless them, how I can give glory to your name in the way that I relate to them. And we could go on and on and on and on because I think instinctively as Christians, we know that we have it better than we deserve. We know that God's grace has given us far more than we ought to have. And of course we know that if we got what we deserved and what was just, we'd be in hell right now. So anything that is not in hell is is a good thing. And yet it goes so much further beyond that. And this has been a problem for the people of God going all the way back to Adam and Eve. Do you think that if Eve had been singing and reciting the praises of God that there was anything that the serpent could have told her that would resonate with her and cause her to take that fruit. And I don't think so. I don't think so. I think what the serpent did was to capitalize on something that was within her. She kind of thought that she was being left out. She thought that there was more to life that she couldn't have. And instead of being happy with what she had, all she could see with the help of the serpent was what she didn't have. Are you like that? Where so many times it uh, God has blessed us so abundantly and we have it so good, but all we can see is what we don't have? I think that would have made all the difference in the world. If King David were walking on the roof of his palace at the time when kings go to war... And if he were singing some of his psalms that he had written and giving praise to God, I'm not saying that he would never have looked at Bathsheba because his palace was up high and probably couldn't help it. But I've got a sneaking suspicion he would have looked and looked away and probably would have gone back inside where he wouldn't have seen it again because his heart and his mind was on praising and honoring and glorifying God and we could think of a lot of other situations in fact even when Joseph when Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him the one thing he says is how can I sin against my master and against God When we have that kind of a mindset, it changes us and it puts us up above all the muck and the mire and the temptation that is in the world that wants to destroy us, that the demons of hell are dropping bait in front of us, but our minds are on the Lord. What if our hearts and our minds... And the atmosphere around us were so filled with the praises of God. How would that affect our warfare? Well, do you think the powers of darkness want to be around people that are praising and glorifying and honoring God? Because when you do that, it's a little taste of heaven and it reminds them of where they used to be but will never be again. And in the meantime, while you were doing that, it reminds you of who you serve and where you're going and what he has done for you. And gratefulness is amazing. Children that are grateful to their parents don't disobey like children who are ungrateful for what their parents do. They have a tendency to rebel, to push the envelope, to ignore, and to disobey. We're the same way in our relationship with God. And So the psalmist tells us in Psalm 135, Praise the name of the Lord. Praise Him, O you servants of the Lord. You who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Can I get an amen on that one? Sing praises to his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel for his special, his peculiar, his unique treasure. That's how the psalmist describes the people of God. So... My first question is, why would we, what is wrong with us? Let's put it this way. What is wrong with us that we would ever not praise the Lord? That's a good question for you to think about tonight. Why would you not praise Him? And another question to follow that up, why would you ever have to be reminded to praise the Lord? What's wrong with us? And when we think about God, the God who created us, the God who has given us air to breathe, gravity to keep us in place, water to drink, food to eat, think about the renewable resources that we have, think about other things that... Our ancestors knew nothing about, but we reap from the fossil fuels and things like that. God put them there knowing we would need them. And this earth has such abundant and wonderful resources for us to use. Now, certainly we ought to be good stewards of that, but they were here for us. Humans were given dominion over the earth. Think about all of the things that you have in your life that maybe your ancestors didn't have. Think about what it must have been like when somebody would leave on a trip back in the 1700s, 1800s. I mean, we're here, so we had, we had people back then that we descended from And they would leave that little cabin on the prairie to go hunting. And there was absolutely no way to communicate with them until they came home again. What must that have been like? Paul leaves and he goes hunting. It's a day, two days, seven days, 14 days. What would you start feeling about that time? And you think about the way that we live where all you have to do is pick up one of these and get aggravated because they won't return a text. Now, it is, frankly, a little annoying when I get a text from somebody and maybe I can't answer it right then, so I call them and they don't answer and I get their voicemail. And I go, I know you were there. You just sent me a text. You ever do that? First world problems, right? Things that we get annoyed with that our ancestors couldn't even fathom. Think about uh, food. If you go back a few generations and you have family members that didn't have enough to eat, you've got the opposite problem. You're trying to lose weight. They were trying to get enough calories to sustain life. Think about the variety of things that you eat every single day. You live better than King Solomon did. You may not feel like it, he didn't have ice in his freezer. He didn't have fruits, even out of season. Think about all of the things that you eat. And when you don't feel like cooking, you can go through the drive-thru and Taco Bell or something like that. Whatever you want to do. Think about all that we have and all that we enjoy and I remember reading about Abraham Lincoln when they were stuck in the wintertime in their cabin when he was a kid, and all they had to eat, all they had to eat for that winter was potatoes. Now, I like potatoes. But as a main course, as a side dish, as dessert, potatoes. And it said that his father, Thomas, was praying and said, We thank thee. For thy many blessings. And Abraham Lincoln looked at his plate and said, What a blessing. (laughs) Like a kid, wouldn't it? Think about all of that kind of stuff. Think about if you had to come to church tonight on a Wednesday night. You had to walk out of your house to the barn. You had to get your horse. You had to hitch the horse up to your buggy. And you had to make your way to the church tonight. Doing that. Would it be worth it? Maybe that's why back then. They didn't have church. time but on Sunday mornings. And the reason we have church in America. Traditionally at about 11 o'clock. Is to give everybody time to do their chores. Before they would come together for worship. And uh, it kind of became a sacred time for us. But really it was pragmatic back in the day. And think about how easy it is for us to get in our cars and drive on paved highways where things are orderly and uh, our air conditioning, our heater is on in the car as the case may be, think about how easy it is for us to get here, how effortless it is for us to go to the grocery store instead of out to harvest something or anything like that. Think about how good we have it. Why would we ever have to be told to praise the Lord? Why isn't it just on our hearts and minds all the time? Why is it that when we think about what God has done for us, we tend to talk about the things, you know, I needed this and I prayed about it. and Wow, God provided it for me. Okay, that's good. I'm not, not, not knocking that at all. But why is it that we get excited about what God does for us in a temporary sense and we forget about what God has done for us in a permanent sense, when he sent his son to die on the cross, to pay for our sins, to be raised from the dead, to conquer death, hell, and the grave, to prepare a place for us in heaven, and to set at the right hand of God the Father until he comes again. And while he is doing that, he's praying for us, even tonight, and he is defending us whenever we sin. By the way, are there any sinners here tonight? Can I hear an amen? And the Lord defends you and sticks with you and is loyal to you and backs you up every single time you sin because he paid for that sin with his own blood. Why would we have to be prompted to praise the Lord? And so that kind of makes me want to say, Lord, forgive me for not praising you the way that I should for not praising you as often as I should in the ways that I should, with the enthusiasm that I should have. And everything ought to prompt me and prompt us to praise the Lord. Let's uh, think about this. There's a focus here. And he tells us to praise the name of the Lord. Okay? Well, what's in a name? What's in a name? I passed by... My mother-in-law drove me in tonight and passed by a bunch of people in a bunch of cars. And I have no idea who they were. No idea who they were. But I can look at you and I can call. I'm going to say every one of you by name. You know why? Because I know you. And I know something about you. And you know me. You know my name. I'm not just a nameless, faceless blob up here, a, a bag of meat or, and chemicals like the evolutionists would say. No, I'm created by God. You're created by God. We're made in the image of God and we have personality and we were given a name. Think about that. We know each other because of that. First thing you do when you meet uh, a stranger that you are interested in having some type of a friendship with or maybe it's someone of the opposite sex that you were thinking that you wanted to date, first thing you do is, uh, Hi, I'm Greg. What's your name? That's how we get to know people. We identify them. And so the psalmist says here, here's an amazing thing. There is a God... And this God created everything out of nothing. He created the far galaxies, and He created the sun, moon, and the stars. He created everything on earth. He put it all together in an orderly ecosystem, and uh, we reap the benefits of all of that. He's the one who controls the seasons. Fall is coming, right? And uh, we always, by the time we get through August in this part of the country, we're we're a little ready for things to kind of cool down and for football season to start and all of that. We're ready for a change. This God is the God that changes everything, but He's not nameless. He has told us His name. Glorify the name of Jesus. We just sang about that. What's important about that? We know His name. The idea of knowing the name of the Lord and praising the name of the Lord is that we know Him. This is our highest goal. We ought to know people and we ought to know our family and we ought to know things about life. That's good. But higher than that is to know the Lord and to know His name. The Bible says there is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. And we know what that name is. It's the name of Jesus. Therefore, the Lord has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, what's going to happen? Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hey, I want to tell you something tonight. I know him and I know his name. And you know his name. And even in the Old Testament sense here, praising the name of the Lord, it's the name Yahweh, his personal name, his covenant name that he gave to his people. I want you to know my name. Somebody may meet you and they may do some work for you. And before they leave, they may reach in their wallet and give you their card. Call me If anything comes up and it's as if the psalmist is saying God has taken us just Israel and he has given us his card. We know his name. We know how to get a hold of him and you and I do as well except it's even greater than that. He has come to live inside of us. And so when we think about the Old Testament we think about God filling a place filling the tabernacle filling the uh, temple. And that's a wonderful thing. But when we think about the New Testament, he doesn't fill a place, he fills a people. And God fills you. And you are the temple. You are the sanctuary. And God fills dwells in you we know his name this is our highest goal it's our greatest passion praising the lord and it's the noblest activity you want your life to uh, matter then be a praiser of god in every situation and we can praise Well, that word praise in the Hebrew, it literally means to boast. Are you boasting in the Lord? Another psalm says, My soul shall make her boast in thee, Lord, and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. I mean, praising the Lord affects the atmosphere around us. It affects the people around us, and it brings glory and honor to the Lord. So there is a focus. Secondly, notice there is a command for God's people. Now, why would he say, praise him, O you servants of the the Lord? Because my mind goes to the fact he shouldn't have to tell us to do that. And secondly, why does he qualify it? Shouldn't everybody praise the Lord, lost and saved? Yeah. But when you're talking about lost people that are dead in trespasses and sins, What can a dead person do anyway? They can just lay there. Sometimes we might look at them and we say, well, they look so natural, except they didn't have anything to do with that. Somebody did that for them. I'm glad they fixed them up. I'm I'm the person that for a lot of years of my life, I'm thinking, why do we open caskets and why do people want to view those who have died? and uh, I didn't figure out how helpful that could be until my grandma died and she had had Alzheimer's for quite a while and I remember when we went to the funeral home and they opened up her casket and they had a picture of her there the way I remembered her and she looked the same in the picture as she did in the casket and I remember the look of relief on my mom's face when she saw her mother looking like she ought to look and I said I get it it's closure and death and the process of dying is an awful awful thing and so we have a tradition where we try to make people look more natural so that the last view we have of them is not that horrific thing called death it also makes you wonder what are they going to look like when we see them again in heaven I wonder what age they're going to be And when we see them perfect, I never saw my mom or my dad or my grandma or my grandpa in a perfect condition, and you didn't either, because we don't exist like that here. wonder what they're going to look like when we get to heaven. I can't wait to see that. That's going to be a wonderful and glorious reunion that we have around the throne. And uh, when I was thinking about all of that and thinking about what all we go through as we walk through the trials of this life... The ups and the downs, the tears and sorrows as well as the laughter. All of these things are what God has given us. And everything in our life ought to be a praise. And so when I think back about uh, all of the times, all of the funerals that we've conducted here over the last 26 years that I've been your pastor, think about all of those things and one of two things can happen. They can either make you sad They can make you glum. They can make you blue. Or you can think about the fact that the grace of God means that that funeral, that burial, is not the end. That they are absent from the body. And as the Apostle Paul put it, they are present. Where? With the Lord. Isn't that good? And we think about the fact that we're heading there and they are waiting for us. And so we think about every part of life. Are you getting older? I am. You notice some limitations? I do. You look back at some pictures and say, Man, I wish I looked like that again. I do that every once in a while. I dream about what it must be like to have hair. Right? Some of you have other things that you dream about and you think about. Well, one day. One day. But here's the thing. Think about all of the negatives that come. You get up in the morning and it's a little harder to get out of bed. It's a little harder to get moving. And instead of griping about it, what if you started saying, Lord, you're so good because this means I'm one day closer to being in heaven and not having to put up with the things of this old decrepit body anymore. Well, that's a good thing to think about. Whenever you're lonely, instead of sitting around going, oh, I'm so lonely... Think about the reunion you're going to have when you get to heaven where for an eternity you will never be lonely again. What if we just turned everything over and we did it because we're not the dead, depraved people out here who can't do anything except react to their environment. We're alive. We can actually change our environment. The lost world can't. They're just products of whatever comes their way and whatever happens. God never called us simply to be a thermometer. What does a thermometer do? Just registers temperature. And a lot of believers today, all they're doing is registering the temperature and and by that I'm using that To talk about maybe the social climate, the sin climate, the depravity that we live in. Oh, it's worse than it's ever been. Well, first of all, none of us have lived long enough to even know that. So don't go there. And secondly, what good does that do? Everybody knows life stinks. Everybody knows life is hard. Everybody knows politicians are corrupt. What are we talking about all of that stuff for? God has called us to be a thermostat. Now, when I go home tonight... And when I walk into the house, one of the things that I'll have the privilege of doing, if I walk in and I go, good night, man, it is freezing in here. Do you realize how spoiled we are when we can get cold in the middle of a hundred degree heat? And you know what I can do? Turn the thermostat, change it. If I go in the house and I go, man, it is hot in here, what do I do? I go to the thermostat. And the thermostat regulates things so it changes stuff. When it's too cold, it can warm it up. When it's too warm, it can cool it down. And God has called us to be a thermostat, not just to register the temperature, but to change the things that are around us. So what kind of uh, change do you make? What do you do when you walk into a room? What do you do when you gather with a group of people? Are you the one that improves it? Or are you the one that drags it down? And the servants of God are the only ones who can do that. And so the Lord makes this command to us and he gives it to God's people. Praise him, oh you servants of the Lord, because when you were lost you couldn't and the lost world can't, but you and I can. We're not just mere people and regular old people and so... Um, We view view things from an eternal perspective because we can see the past. We can understand the present that we're in. Depravity, sin, all of that. We get it. And we also can prepare for the future through the Word of God. And this should elicit praise. I made it through. Paul said, the Lord has delivered me, he is delivering me, and he will deliver me. Well, no wonder he was singing in a prison at midnight. He's looking at that saying, there's no way I can lose. Look what God has done for me. And that's the way we ought to be as well. Number three, there's a requirement for effective service. And he goes down to verse two, you who stand in the house of the Lord, the courts of the house of our God. Now you're the ones who ought to be praising God. And it ought to be that a Wednesday night crowd ought to praise God more than anybody else in any time else. Why? We've gathered here for the glory of the Lord. And we ought to influence one another. Somebody may come in here having a bad day and you ought to be uh, like a spiritual jumper cable to help them get some power to uh, perk up and spark up. Because we have a great God that we praise. And everything ought to be influenced towards God. Towards God. And sometimes we influence the wrong way. Towards something else. Towards something temporary. Towards something that doesn't matter. Or worse, towards the negative. And we ought to be lifting one another up. And we do that through praise. Okay? And the servants of God ought to be doing that. And we're doing this that's how we have effective service. So, you're teaching a Sunday school class, and you have a few people that come in, and all you can talk about is the people who aren't there. What does that do for your class? Boy, it drags them down. What if you have some people, faithful people, that come into your class, and there's four of them, and all you can talk about is, boy, I remember when we used to have 17 in here. What does that make them feel like? Useless? I don't matter? Who cares? But what if when they came into your class, you found a reason to praise God and to bring them into that atmosphere of praise? What does that do? Well, Paul and Silas were only two people out of an entire prison. And those two people caused an earthquake, didn't they? And how'd they do it? They shook things up I heard a song one time that says that was the first jailhouse rock. Elvis didn't come up with that. It was Paul and Silas, right? Just two people. Just two people. They had been treated unjustly. The law had been broken. They were beaten physically. They were put in the innermost part of the prison. And yet what do you find them doing at midnight? Praying and praising God And don't miss this part in Acts 16. And the prisoners heard them. And then the whole atmosphere changed. And a Roman jailer gets saved through all of that. What if you went to work like that? What if you came to church like that? What if you went into your Sunday school class like that? What if we saw the potential and the possibility of things i've said this to people before sometimes if you're teaching children you go well i don't know there's only going to be a couple of people in there today it doesn't really matter what i do well what if one of them you got word from heaven was going to be the next billy graham what if one of them was going to be the next charles spurgeon would that change your mind oh yeah man i'd be i'd be ready to go to pour my life in them well what if that's the case? Well, it's probably not. You don't know that. Start praising God for what opportunities you have. I don't deserve to teach two people, much less a thousand. Neither do you. And so what if we started thanking God and praising God instead of griping about those kind of things? Because the servants of God, especially those who gather in the house of God, they ought to be praising God and they ought to be provoking other people To love and good works, as the book of Hebrews does. So when you come to church Sunday morning, come a little bit different than you normally do. When someone starts to gripe, turn it around to praise. When somebody starts to say something negative, say, yeah, but, and then you turn it around and turn it into praise and be a thermostat rather than just a thermometer. Okay? Number four. There is a reason to praise. Verse 3 says, praise the Lord. Why? Why? We don't even have to comment on this, do we? For the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. He's not good because of what He does. He's good because He is God. That never changes. Has God been good to you? Is God doing good things in your life? Do you have anything that you can praise God for tonight? He's a good God. You see, Eve, when the serpent talk to her all she could see was what she didn't have and then God uh, pardon me the serpent kind of gave the suspicion God's not as good as you think he is because if you were really all that good he'd let you eat anything that you wanted sounds like the world today doesn't it and the truth of the matter is he doesn't want you eating that because if you ate that you'd really be enlightened you'd really be powerful you'd really be happy and God doesn't want any of that, he's reserving all of that for himself. You ever felt that way? Why won't God give me this? Why won't he do this? Why is he letting them do this and not me? I mean, it's our human condition. It goes all the way back to Eve. And what happened? Somebody said, at the root of all sin is a suspicion that God is not really good. So the psalmist said, praise the Lord, for the Lord is Good complainings just in our nature. And then number five, there's a benefit. Sing praises to his name for it is pleasant. For it is pleasant. That word means delightful. It's sweet. There's something about singing about the Lord and singing to the Lord that can change everything. You know, one of the first memories I have about my mom... I can remember her taking a sheet and a blanket. You know how you do, you fluff, fluff it up to spread it out over the bed. And while she was doing that, she would be singing. Maybe you remember this song. One sat alone beside the highway begging. His eyes were blind, the light he could not see. He clutched his rags and shivered in the darkness. Then Jesus came and bade his darkness flee. When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, I don't remember the words. That's about all I got. But I was just a little kid. But I heard it enough that I remember that. And I remember her singing. And I remember the atmosphere in our home always had music. And most of the time it wasn't from the radio It wasn't from a phonograph. It was from mom. She always had a song. And you know what I remember about that? It was pleasant. Our home was pleasant. We didn't bite, scream, cuss. We weren't all sold up. None of that. I remember... As a little kid, our home being pleasant. Remember some friends' homes that weren't quite like that, but I remember our home being pleasant. What do I attribute that to? I think a lot of it had to do, not exclusively, but a lot of it had to do with mom singing because when we sing to the Lord, it's pleasant. Sing to the Lord. Sometime when you're in your car, turn off the radio and sing to the Lord. Sometime when you are alone and you're reading your Bible, some of the old, old old-time people like Spurgeon and others, they said you ought to have your Bible, you ought to have a commentary, and you ought to have a hymnal for your quiet time every morning. You ought to sing to the Lord. Sing together with people. Sometimes it's a neat thing when you have all your family together and it's time for the prayer don't pray sing your blessing and sing to the lord can you imagine all of your family holding hands and singing praise god from whom all blessings flow you want to talk about changing an atmosphere sing to the lord and you can find ways and places sometimes it's not appropriate we know that i'm not asking you to be a fool But I am asking you to think about this and to sing to the Lord for it is pleasant. It changes the atmosphere. And why is it pleasant? Well, because the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself. And this psalmist is saying in Israel for his special treasure. A treasure. The people of God are his treasure. Now the world's going to tell you That all you are is a mutation. You're just an accident. You're just lucky to be here. You're just a sack of meat. You're just a bunch of chemicals. (laughs) God says, you're a treasure. Because I've chosen you and I live in you. In the New Testament, Paul said, Christ in us is the hope of glory. And then he goes on to talk about, we have this treasure, the Lord, in these earthen vessels, in these clay pots. I want to tell you something. A clay pot's not worth much until you stuff it full of gold. Then all of a sudden it gets pretty valuable. And you are filled with the value of the Lord Jesus Christ. His goodness, His purity, everything that He is, even His power, It resides in you. And if there's not something in you that doesn't want to rise up and say, Hallelujah! There's something bad wrong. Bad wrong. Because the psalmist says, this is why we praise the Lord, because there's a benefit to it. It makes things pleasant. It makes things right. It sets things in proper order. And also it reminds us that we have been chosen by God and He has deposited His treasure in us and we are precious in His sight and we are a treasure to the Lord. So that's why the Apostle Peter would sing or say in, in a song we sing, For you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of Him who has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Now, how do you not say amen to that? How do you not let your heart be lifted up after you hear that? How does your mind not go to heavenly, lofty, glorious things after you hear words like that? And that's why the Bible tells us we are to Praise the Lord. It's not just a ritual. It's not just something we do by rote. It's something that we do because of who He is and what He has done in, through, and for us. And so I say, Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen? Amen. Father, forgive us when we think we have to have a reason or an occasion, or a situation, or some kind of a material blessing in our life before we praise you. The truth of the matter is you are always to be praised and always worthy of our praise. And we thank you that we know you by name and you know us by name and have written our names in the Lamb's book of life from before the foundation of the world. What a great thing. You're preparing a mansion for us in heaven. What a great thing. You've numbered our days and you know that time when we are going to leave this earth to be reunited with you. What a great thing to know that our past is taken care of, our present and our future is taken care of. You are our shepherd. We don't want for a thing because you provide Everything that we need physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, and for eternity. So thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.